Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah! Deletion! Are becoming broken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, the very beginning of our very special Becoming Broken series. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code Hardy at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. It's episode nine. Meet the house Hardy and everyone meet the man of the hour. Mr. Matt Hardy, how are you, my friend? I am very good. That was a nice open you had working in that Becoming Broken. You know what? Fluidity is very important when it comes to getting in promos. I got my promo reads ready to go. I heard this week from some fans that they are big fans themselves of your Blue Chew read. I uh, I have heard a few people that uh, have heavily enjoyed that. <laughs> it's um, unconventional. It's stout. <laughs> It's, it, I'm not going to go stiff, but it's stout. We're off the rails here and becoming broken on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. This is a very special, very, very special series that we have planned because this, Matt, is the single most important character shift in wrestling in the last 10, 15 years, in my opinion. And now people are going to learn how you became broken and your broken brilliance. Yes, that was uh, that. That was my thing. The the broken brilliance that kind of sums everything up. And, and and I love that I was actually allowed to create and do something that was unorthodox and out of the box. And TNA was the perfect place for that. It was just like it happened at the perfect time in the perfect place. And luckily, I had the the perfect dancing partner too with my brother, as far as becoming brother Nero. Yes, and we're gonna get all into that in this five part series. What did you think of last week's episode? Real quick, put a bow tie on that. No Way Out 2000. You were in Connecticut last week. Did the Connecticut AEW trout crowd 
treat you guys any better than that WWE crowd did that night in 2000? They were still Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they were fine. You know, Connecticut has, uh, as I'd said, uh, a long history of sometimes uh, almost trying to be too smart for their own good. But, but they were a good crowd, and the AEW fan base is, is really enthusiastic, and it was great to be there in Connecticut with them. This week, Revolution. Big match. Huge match. Isaiah Cassidy's going to get one more chance to prove his worth to you. You were there for him. That was yes. very kind of you. I thought that was really sweet. Um, you and Andrade and him teaming up against Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Guevara. Did you ever envision yourself wrestling Sting in 2022? <laughs> I did not. Uh, if you would have asked me, is there a chance you'll be wrestling Sting on pay-per-view in 2022? I would have laughed at you. I mean, this was two years ago. I would I would have laughed at you, you know. So it, it's very cool. And once again, Sting is a guy that I have the utmost respect for. Uh, and he is even a generation ahead of me. And I'm an old-timer in the game. You know, so to be able to get to work with him on this huge card in this very cool match is something I'm super excited for. Check that out on pay-per-view this coming Sunday, AEW yes. Revolution, wherever you get your pay-per-views. All right, Matt, we put a lot of time into this series and getting ready for it, and this, I think, is going to be the premier series of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, a five-part series going from the beginning days of the broken character leading up to WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, and I think we're about ready for your Matt fact, so when you're ready, hit me with that Matt fact. Mad fact, Matt is an extremely successful singles wrestler. An extremely successful singles wrestler. But our story, Matt, actually begins as a tag team. The Hardy Boys yes. are back together in Impact in April of 2015. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe when I was putting this together how long all of this took to unfold. Because this is a two-year story, more or less, when yes. all is said and done. And uh, money is coming in late in Impact at this time. Things are, are not great with the company. Impact is constantly changing nights. It's changing channels that it's on the air. What is the feeling like backstage about the future of the company at this juncture? Um, th there, there were a lot of people that were just very uncertain about what was happening with the company and, and what their future was, uh, for sure. And I, I remember at the time just thinking like, it was an opportunity for me to actually team with my brother again. And for the longest time, the reason I didn't team with Jeff is because I actually didn't want to sign a contract. I, I almost didn't trust myself to go back to work full time somewhere. After I kind of reset myself in 2011, 2012, I just wanted to take it step by step and, and not overdo it. I didn't want to overwhelm myself in, in any capacity. But then once the opportunity had arose that I could sign a contract with Impact Wrestling and still have a, a, a minimal amount of like of a work schedule and not overwhelm or overdo myself. That's when I made the decision to actually go back and, and jump back in and team with Jeff. Yeah, well, Dave Meltzer says that morale has hit a low backstage in the company at this point because of the uncertainty about the future of the company. He did mention, though, while most people weren't getting their checks on time, you claim that you were. You said on social media that you had no problems with TNA. In fact, you displayed all your checks to say that everything 
was in fact fine. You got five checks in the past week, which were three days of pay for the three days that you worked, his money guarantee and the royalty checks. One check was visible for $4,000, which was for one of the days of TV, TV that he worked, where he worked two matches. Any recollection of that? Uh, I, I think I put also like my WWE check in there, just all the checks I've got, maybe uh, royalties from Ring of Honor and uh, TNA check, whatever. I think I put all my checks in, in one picture because I was kind of like uh, – I was obviously doing social media, social media at that point, and being a, a character on social media. But I, I do remember I always got paid. It didn't always come on time, but I always got paid, and and they stayed on top of it. And there were a lot of people complaining. And I I think for me, I was very fortunate. That I was in a situation I didn't have to have money, but I did feel bad for several of the people that did need money who were living, you know, paycheck to paycheck because theirs wasn't always on time. Is there a concern? at this point that things are going to go under for the company i mean anytime paychecks are coming in late there's going to be concerns so so people weren't sure of what was going on uh they had promised us things were going to be fine and they were going to get through it they were going through a transitional period you know but there was obviously if if checks aren't coming on time there's going to be concern well we go on to april 17th 2015 you guys are on a new quest as a tag team you're looking to win your first tag team gold since 2007 is insane to me that there was an eight-year gap between when you guys were tag team champions on television uh, were you looking forward to teaming with jeff again on tv and trying to get the band back together per se yeah very much so a anytime we take some time apart it's always phenomenal whenever we come back together so i was really excited about that and and i felt like i was in a great pl place in my life and I was excited to really kind of jump back in with both feet as far as pro wrestling goes, especially uh, in a tag team scenario with my brother. Well, you're in a qualifier. You go on to qualify for the four-way Ultimate X match for the titles. Uh, Jeff's been in TNA since 2010 at this point, that famous show where they went head-to-head -head with Monday Night Raw and Bret Hart. That's when he made his return. You're back for your second run in 2014. It just seems crazy to me that, like, you guys – took so long to get back together on television. Why do you think it was that it, there was an eight-year gap between that? Uh, it would have been shorter. There there were times I was offered to come in and work with Jeff, but it was like uh, sign a contract, and I just wasn't ready to do that yet. So uh, I just had to take care of myself, and I, I wanted to make sure that I trusted myself personally and was in a good position in my personal life, and I wanted to make sure I had all my shit together. So I, th that is part of the reason it took a little bit longer, but at, at that point, I was ready to, to jump back in with both feet, as I said earlier. All right, well, this brings us to that Ultimate X match. Uh, from the Observer, the Hardys won the Ultimate X match over Kenny King and Loki, EC3 and Bram, and Austin Aries and Bobby Roode in just under 13 minutes. Uh, the crowd was really into this, he says. They were chanting for the Hardys. He says it wasn't as crazy as some of the other Ultimate X matches at the time, but it was still a good one that got the fans the big win. What do you remember about that match? This is kind of a rebirth as you said before like you've gone past some of your struggles you're at a new stage in your career you had fallen really hard Matt so to have this culminate with a big championship win with you and Jeff again how special was that uh it was it was cool it was cool to once again be validated as far as being strong as a tag team and and to be recognized as the greatest tag team in this company and, and one of the premier tag teams in the world so that was very validating and it, it was just fun getting the band back together anytime myself and jeff team up and actually get to have a run together it's it's always fun because that was our dream as kids and just the fact that we've been able to live it for almost three decades now it's is pretty pretty epic well it feels like impact is going big here with trying to sell this story 
of you guys as baby faces climbing the mountain again, get back to that glory days of where you once were. It seemed like they were probably setting you up for a big match at Slammiversary. So do you have any recollections of what creative was supposed to play out as with you guys as tag champs? Well, I know whenever I was coming back, before I signed a deal with them, uh, I was working part-time originally before I signed a contract with uh, TNA and we went full-time. So I, I definitely know we were planning on working, I think, with the Wolves going forward yes. was, was a little bit of a the plan. A lot of people thought that was going to be yeah, the Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what the plan. We were going to do like a uh, an elongated program. What do you think about the Wolves? I, I love them. And they were a great team for us because they they were young, they were healthy, they could do a lot. And I think whenever you have, you know, an, an older team, I think it is, is very beneficial when you have a younger team uh, that they can work off of, not just for the actual effect of being, helping to strengthen the match in terms of athletic quality. I also think it helps uh, bring another team up when you have a team that is established and a younger team is working with them in a, in a full-fledged program. I feel like Eddie and Davey were one of the more underrated tag teams of their era and never really got the proper due recognition on the major stage. Like, they had Ring of Honor, they had Impact, but they never got a WWE run. They had an NXT tryout match, but besides that, they didn't get anything beyond that. Why do you think that was? I feel like that might be just be because uh, personality-wise, maybe they weren't what WWE was looking for. And also, they were guys that were a, a little bit smaller, especially Davey, but their work rate was very high. And in WWE, I don't feel like the tide had really turned it. We haven't got there yet in WWE. I think as, as time moves on, you can see now in 2022, it's okay to be a little bit of a smaller guy. It's a lot more accepted. But, you know, then I think guys, uh, WWE were looking for guys that had larger-than-life personalities, uh, hopefully bigger, and they really wanted characters more than anything else. And, and I feel like, especially Davey, even more than Eddie, they were both very solid in-ring performers. And that was kind of what they built their, their, their reputation off of, especially in ROH. So creative at this time is going to be a big focus of this series because creative is something that you've clearly had your influence. Your hands have been in the pot, but not necessarily directly as a member of creative. Right. I'm curious what the creative structure of impact looked like at this time here in April 2015. Who was primarily leading the charge for the Hardy Boys? Uh, John Gabrick. Big was the guy who was uh, he, he was wearing a lot of hats at that time. And, and I want to say this is right after Eric Bischoff had left, if I'm not mistaken. And Dixie obviously was still in charge. She was the boss. But but John Gabrick was talent relations. He was like head of creative. He was help doing booking. But he also was very open to taking ideas as well. Well, he would have liked to have some ideas for contingency plans because plans change, pal. You just said that you were probably going to do something big with the Wolves, go into a big slam anniversary match. Yeah. But unfortunately... Asterisk, card subject to change. Your brother and that damn erratic behavior of his... It's nothing new. <laughs> From The Observer. Jeff Hardy suffered a broken leg in a dirt bike accident on April 28th while riding near his home in Cameron, North Carolina on his personal track. Hardy, 37, was riding and did a jump on one hill to another but landed wrong, suffering a broken fibula. He underwent surgery on April 29th. Brother Matt Hardy was filming at the time. Matt and Jeff were tag team champions, meaning there's a good chance left to vacate the titles. The Hardys as champions figured heavily into plans in the next tapings in the Built to Swim anniversary, which looks to be in June. No word yet on the seriousness of the injury and how long he'll be out of action, but it's believed the Hardys would face the Wolves either on the next set of tapings, the pay-per-view, or both. 
Now, you told me off air, there's a part of that story that Dave just recollected that is Matt fiction and not Matt fact. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know where that rumor started circulating that I was filming Jeff because I was not filming Jeff. And if I'd been filming Jeff, I would have made sure he wasn't going to do a, a 100 foot triple jump on a motorcycle, especially when, you know, our day job was pro wrestling. So uh, I, I wasn't filming that. The first thing I heard about it is when he was in the hospital after breaking his leg. That was the, the first call I got. What is that? What are you like on the other side of that call when they're like, hey, Matt, Jeff's here in the hospital, probably broke his leg. Uh, I think I was like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> That's probably what my reaction was. Because, you know, it was one of those things, too. Like, you know, I was like, dude, you know, you're too old to be going crazy. You but he's know? a stuntman. He is a stuntman. I mean, he, he he's the first one to say it. And it's just what he does. It's what makes him happy. And I'm not going to deprive anyone of happiness in their life. They want to do other things and whatnot. But, like, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should have just went for, like, a 50-foot jump as opposed to a 100-foot triple jump. Because that's what it was. I know it was like 90, it was 90 plus, almost 100 feet, the triple jump he was trying to do. And like set a record, like his own Guinness book, his own Guinness World Record. How long has he been riding the bike for? Since he was young. Uh, Did you ride too? No. Uh, I used to ride four-wheelers when we were young. Uh, we would ride four-wheelers together, but he was the motorcycle dude. And I was never a motorcycle guy. But he, he was racing since he was like 11 or 12 years old. Damn rednecks boondocks of North Carolina, that erratic behavior, man. You have it. Just incredible. But take note of that because in a few episodes later on Becoming Broken, that dirt bike track will make a reappearance. Oh, boy. What a story that is, too. Some good long-term storytelling here at the Hardy Compound. So recently I decided to sort of change up my wardrobe. If you've seen me at wrestling shows, and this is very much a shoot brother. You know I'm almost always decked out in a full suit. I like to wear them, they look good. But lately I've kind of learned that it's actually okay to dress comfortably wherever, even if it's out of the house. Sweatpants, joggers, I'm all in. And I know about a company like Stance and its reputation for great socks. But now it's expanding to a full line of hoodies, sweats, and so much more. And they're different in style, not what you see everywhere else, which I really like because they're also incredibly comfortable in the process. Again, we're not just talking socks anymore. Stance is bringing color, comfort, and creativity from toe to head with the launch of its all-new active apparel line. That's right, what started out as a radical reinvention of your sock drawer is now expanding to your entire wardrobe. Check out Stance's super soft line of sweatpants and joggers, shirts, hoodies, hats, and much more. Now they're all available in a full range of fits, prints, fabrics, and fun. Embrace a life of superior comfort and creative expression with everyday active apparel that truly is stitched different. Like I said, these are different. Stitch is collaborating with artists from all around the entertainment and arts industries to come up with unique, extremely comfortable designs. You ain't heard Wu-Tang Clan in a minute, but they're just one of many collaborators working with Stance. Seriously, I'm all about sweatpants now. Super comfortable, cozy, and perfect for this jersey weather that I've chosen to deal with, and they are all in excellent quality. Stance's philosophy is that you should never have to sacrifice your own individual style for the sake of comfort. And now you don't have to. Whether you're relaxing around the house, working out at the gym, or running all over town, Stance now delivers its signature softness and creativity in a full line of active apparel styles from toe to head. 
Stance has got you covered. Head on over to Stance.com and get 15, that's right, 15% off your first purchase. Just use promo code HARDY at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. Stitch different. So, uh, do you remember the injury being as serious up front, or did it, over time, be like, okay, this is going to be something that's going to take some time for him to heal? No, I mean, I, I knew when I first got a call from him, I knew he was going to be gone for a while. When he had a broke leg and they had to, like, surgically go in there and, and correct it, I knew it was going to be a while. So what is it like when you see that everything is coming together for you guys? You're at the top. You're getting this second run that you've wanted for a really long time. It's almost been 10 years since you were last tag champs. Right. And now it's all ripped away. Uh, it, it's very frustrating, you know, and, and there's been times with Jeff where, you know, he just, Jeff is Jeff, and I've just learned to accept that, you know, and it, and it is what it is, you know, and, and I feel like now he's at the best place he's been in his life in a long, long time, uh, probably for the last 20 years, you know, but even back then, Jeff was just very unpredictable. He, he's always been unorthodox, and like when people call him enigma, that's not like a gimmick. He's very, very much really an enigma. Does something like that put a personal strain on your relationship? Uh, it, it can, it's, it's frustrating. I mean, especially when it, it creates effects on you in the workplace, you know, that's, what's frustrating about it. You know, if we weren't tag team champions, it's no big deal. I mean, live your life, do your thing. And if you end up doing something that breaks your leg, then, you know, it is what it is. But like once he's tied to me and we have an obligation to like do this together, it can become frustrating. What do you remember the reaction backstage to that being? Uh, I, I am sure they were heavily fr frustrated as well. I, I know it happened shortly after we won the title. So we had to uh, obviously, uh, you know, relinquish the titles after that. So I feel like by the time we were backstage, uh, everybody just knew this info and had accepted it already. So I'm sure they were frustrated because I would be frustrated if I was running a company and I just, you know, made this guy my tag team champion. So uh, as far as the actual feel backstage, like when we got backstage again, it was like everybody just kind of, Accepted it, it happened. And what you have to remember, too, is that Jeff is the top top guy in this company at this point. Mm -hmm. he, he was their world champion a few years prior. Mm -hmm. He had the incident at Victory Road, and he had to go away for a little while, and he came back. And Man, whenever we talk about Jeff on this podcast and we post a clip, I'm always reminded of how big of a star Jeff Hardy truly is. So when you take him off TV and it's due to a self-inflicted injury like this, mm -hmm. I imagine that's got to ruffle some feathers. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure people were frustrated. You know, like, why is Jeff Hardy Jeff Hardying? You know, but it, it is. I mean, it just, especially at that point. And now I feel like he's a lot more responsible than he's ever been. He's kind of accepted that he needs to be a, a little more in control of his actions outside the ring. Less erratic. He's, he's less erratic, for sure. <laughs> So also from this same week, mainstream publicity here for Impact, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins mm -hmm. fame is coming in as the new senior producer of creative and talent development. He said he had been talking with Dixie Carter and she pretty much just offered him a spot in their conversation. Billy, big time wrestling fan. Yes. And as we're going to learn in episode three of Becoming Broken, he actually played a pretty big role in the broken character with a singular event. Right. But what was your reaction to Billy coming in at the time where you're a Smashing Pumpkins fan and I had to feel weird seeing this big time celebrity coming into the world of wrestling I'd imagine yeah I mean we had 
interacted with Billy Corgan quite a few times. He would come to WWE events in Chicago, and I, Jeff and him had known each other for a little while. They'd had a little bit of a relationship even before he came to Impact. That's cool. Uh, because he is uh, a well-documented wrestling fan, obviously, as many people know. But it was it was cool to see him come in and like add perspective, especially because he is such a big deal from the entertainment world. It was going to be real interesting to see what kind of spin he would put on pro wrestling. Let's fast forward to July now. Jeff Jarrett's Global Force Wrestling is gearing up to do an invasion angle with Impact. Jeff had gone away and then come back, and now mm-hmm. they're setting up this invasion angle. And Meltzer reports that Jeff specifically wants you to be a part of this invasion angle. Do you remember any creative about that? You're obviously free right now because you're not working with Jeff and they took the titles off you. Yeah, I do know that he had asked me about booking, just doing some of his GFW events. Um, As far as being part of the angle on TV, I I don't know. I I don't really necessarily recall that or remember that. I remember the angle happening and I, I feel like I was never like uh, heavy in the running to like be someone in his GFW invasion angle. I don't imagine, know if that's true or not. I, I mean, who's to say? But imagine if you end up doing that, it's very possible the broken character never comes to light. Oh, very, very much so. That's the main angle going on at the time. Mm-hmm. That's getting more publicity than the world title on Impact at that time. Once that invasion angle starts, everything is about GFW versus TNA. Yeah, I, I, I do remember they invested a lot in that angle. So we might not even be having this conversation if that happens. Very true. So instead, on July 8th, because you aren't part of this angle, EC3 uh, opens impact saying that he defended his title three times on that show. And you come out and you say you want a title shot. So here's Matt Hardy, singles guy, getting back into the main event here. Kurt Angle gets involved. Uh, But EC3 says that uh, your dumbass brother is hurt and can't be your partner, so you're by yourself in a match that he's going to organize against Austin Aries and Bobby Roode. They beat you, and you get tripped up. What do you think of EC3's character at this time? It kind of felt to me like he was really coming into his own after WWE kind of dropped the ball with Derek Bateman and everything that he was doing there. I know you take a lot of pride in helping guys out, Mm -hmm. so getting a chance to work with him, were you looking forward to that? Yeah, I I, I was a big fan of EC3's work, and I think he's a very, he's an out-of-the-box, unorthodox thinker, and I enjoyed what he was doing. I actually had pitched as a singles competitor. I said, now that Jeff is hurt, I said, EC3 has just won this title with Kurt Angle. You know, I am one of the more established guys. I have a, a long history. Obviously, I'm pretty well known, you know, as a, as a wrestling superstar. I said, what if I could work with EC3 and actually help elevate him? You know, especially now that I'm going to do anything with Jeff and I'm going to be a singles guy for a few months. And I, I remember pitching that originally to John Gabrick and he ran with it. I mean, literally, I just... You know, didn't want anything in return. I mean, I just wanted to work on television, but like trying to elevate EC3, do as much as I could to help him out. What do you think of his character that he was doing at the time with the Dixie Carter involvement? And it, it kind of felt like it was a little bit of MVP, but a more modernized spin on it. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed the thing as, as far as him being her, nev- uh, her nephew. And I love the work he did with Spud. I think the stuff he did with Spud was so good. Uh, really enjoyable. And those two are obviously close in real life, and I think it reflects in, in all the work they've done over the years. But EC3, I thought he was a, a guy who is a solid worker, but he was a great personality character guy. So I, I really look forward to working with him. Really good. I like too. Mm-hmm. Great, great talker. The issue here, when you're doing these tapings in July because of all the issues going on with Impact, is that these are like batch tapings 
and you're working a million times a night and it's really hard to keep up with like I was doing the research for this mm -hmm. podcast yeah and it was hard to figure out when something was taped versus when it was airing on TV what were those marathon taping days like how much would you be working in a given day uh, they, they were brutal especially like when you're an older guy who has some mileage on his body it's hard to like work multiple times a day and like uh, th those days were brutal. I mean, they were, they were long, they were hard, and especially like one of the worst things you can do as a pro wrestler is if you do stretch and get loose and, and your body's feeling good and you have a match, like when you cool down and get tight again, that's, I almost feel it's very dangerous too. That's when you get hurt again, typically, if you're wrestling later, once your body like freezes up and, and kind of uh, finishes for the day with one match. But then when you're doing multiple matches, you have to go through that process multiple times and it's really tough and challenging, especially for someone who has a lot of mileage on their body. It's also not like you're working in front of a super hot crowd that's giving you that adrenaline. These are, you're still in Orlando at this point, if I'm not mistaken, yes. and they're theme park crowds. And yeah, you're gonna have some loyal fans that are there at all the tapings, but. And, and it's also tough if you're going out two or three times a night too. Obviously each time you're, reaction is diminished each time that you go out so so th those things are really tough so july 15th episode you lose in a king of the mountain match along with bobby Roode, eric young and drew galloway to jeff jarrett but later on the episode you defeat bobby Roode in a tables match <laughs> to become number one contender so you're working multiple times this one mm -hmm. episode alone and that's going to be a full metal mayhem match against ec3 for the championship and uh jeff actually returns two weeks later and says that he makes that announcement so we're getting jeff back on tv even though he's maybe not totally healed at this point from his broken fibula. How did that come about and why was it important to get Jeff back in front of the camera? I mean, I think obviously Jeff had a big guaranteed contract at that time too. So they wanted to get him back on camera, you know, and utilize him as much as possible. So I feel like he was at that point where he got the first few weeks out of the way and he was healthy enough that he could come and, and be a character on television. And, uh, you know, as you said earlier, Jeff Hardy is a big star. So you want to have him on your TV, especially if you're paying him a big amount of money. So uh, he ended up being back, and, and that was great, too. It worked very well for my storytelling that I was trying to do with EC3. Did you like him in that role? Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed him in that role. I think even I think that was good for Jeff just to be on television, not wrestling necessarily, and, and work more on his character aspect. So it gets us to Full Metal Mayhem, August 5th. You lose after EC3 kicks you in the Hardy family jewels <laughs> as you're about to grab the belt. And it's interesting because we know in hindsight where this is all going from a character standpoint but we're seeing you pushed as a super baby face and the heel is crotching you and cheating that's what great heels do right, right. were you pushing for a change behind the scenes at this point and how hands-on with the storytelling were you at this moment in time uh, I was very active, especially with the stuff I was doing. And it, I became more active once we realized that we were getting ready to leave Destination America. And they, they weren't 100% sure of what channel we were going to end up on. Uh, they, they, they were working on a couple of different things. And the World Title Series, is that the yes, correct that's term? that's to right? come shortly yeah. after. But that, that is really where I started stepping up, I guess, and, and played a bigger hand in creative. And, and I knew... Now that Jeff had been gone and I was out on my own, it was it was probably time to change things up and, and freshen up my act a little bit. So later in August, you start pulling a, a Christian cage, a Jay, saying that you want one more match, you mm -hmm. want one more title shot. EC3 comes out with Tyrus. He says that in 1999 when he was a kid, he was there live watching the Hardys in a ladder match. So to have the opportunity in that sort of match with you was just, it couldn't have been more disappointing. He was very upset. 
that you did not live up to the standards that he put in his head. Do you, to your knowledge, is that a shoot that EC3 saw you in, the, in 1999 in ladder match form? Maybe that tag team ladder match he's referring to? I, I think he did. I mean, he's from that area, so I'm pretty sure he was there. I think that is a shoot. How about that? Is it weird whenever you work with somebody who was a fan growing up watching you and now you're in the ring with them, trying to elevate them and put them over you, leaning into your past like that? Nah, I used to be like 10 years ago, but I'm used to it by now. Okay, I got you. Just making sure. <laughs> it happens all the time now, especially here in AEW where the crop of uh, talent is so, so young. It happens all the time as well. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all of those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is, it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. And you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, BlueChew, for sponsoring our podcast. At the same time, we're interweaving the story with Jeff as well. We're, we're laying seeds for Jeff to face for that championship at some point. He says he would knock EC3 out if he could, but mm -hmm. EC3 just calls him a stuntman and a daredevil, and there's nothing he can do and just to get out of his face. So... Uh, he says that he'll give you one more shot at the title. But if he wins, then Jeff Hardy becomes his personal assistant. And he uh, taunts Jeff saying that he'll be washing his car, he'll be cooking his meals for him, and he leaves it up to you to take it or leave it. 
I like this as a little wrinkle of storytelling because it's connecting the Hardy Boys back together, even though you're yes. still a singles act. Yeah. Uh, How did that all come about creatively? I, I, I think, once again, we were just trying to stretch this out and get as much out of it as we could because, obviously, as we'd said before, like, you know, TNA was in a, a weird position and we had something going that was pretty good and people seemed to like it and enjoy it. And if we could drag it out and get more out of it and hopefully continue to use Jeff on TV in a role that isn't wrestling so we're able to and we have access to him, obviously. So it, it was a great way of, like, uh, you know, stretching out the story. Are there plans at this point for you to feud with Jeff Hardy upon him returning? No, uh, th there there wasn't. And, and I think we'd almost got to that point in our career where we were like, weren't really big fans of feuding with one another. I think the opportunity presented itself once uh, I started doing Broken Matt and, and we wanted to, and we were both very comfortable with it. But like in general, I don't think people are fans of Matt and Jeff Hardy going at each other. I, I think Vince tried to push it earlier and you know the, the couple times he did it because he's always looking for singles guys people just love seeing myself and jeff together as a team that, that that that's what it is it's just the truth is the truth they love seeing the hardy boys together what i do love about all this is that it's really enforcing after a rough run for jeff over the past few years that he is a baby face he is firmly a baby face mm -hmm. I, i'll be honest i didn't like jeff's heel run in tna it, oh, yeah. it, it did not click for me he's just so naturally likable that seeing him do heel work, it doesn't connect. And like sometimes I understand creatively, you get tired and you're like, I, I wanna try something new. Mm -hmm. But Jeff, there isn't much that's unlikable about him. Whereas you, I mean, you're a dick, so nobody's gonna like you, Matt Hardy. But Jeff is something different. Mm -hmm. So he's firmly as a baby face at this point. And you guys are talking to JB, Jeremy Borash, backstage September 2nd. And he says he took this match for you because he believes in you and that you can win this. This is straight up Dusty Rhodes stuff. Like, like you are firmly, right. firmly baby faces at this point. Uh, and he's going to go out there and say that uh, he thinks that you can get this done. You're going to say that you will not die, that this is your dream match to finally win this championship here. And it's going to happen right here in Orlando, Florida. Except, well, it doesn't. Right. EC3 counters a twist of fate attempt into one of his own. Matt shoves EC3 into the corner where the referee is. EC3 stops himself before hitting the ref as Matt runs over, attempts a roll-up. EC3 catches him with a mule kick to the balls because Matt Hardy testicles. It's just this long-running thing. Followed by a sunset flip to retain the championship. Jeff is dejected at ringside. EC3 demands Jeff gets in the ring, raises his hand. Jeff eventually climbs in and raises his hand as Matt Hardy watches on. Yeah, EC3 knows my kryptonite, right? <laughs> Always going down to the, uh, to the ball sack. Uh, this is when you're trying to create a house hardy at this point, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I need those things. So <laughs> it, was a, it was a good way of, once again, continuing the story. And also, I think it put Jeff in a very unique situation to kind of gain sympathy. Uh, being the assistant at EC3. And also it added a lot to EC3's character because he is the perfect person to be in the position of being a dick to Jeff Hardy, one of the most over baby faces in history. Who's a better assistant, Jeffrey Hardy or Jose? Uh, Jeffrey Hardy. I mean, Jose's just trash outright. You know, there's nothing good about Jose. Wow. Nothing good about Jose. hope he doesn't listen to this before Sunday. I, big hope, he, match I hope he does. Oh, okay. We got a big match there. But I like this. This is good layers. We're, we're laying yeah. storytelling because even though you just said there's no plan to have a feud, you're giving yourselves indirectly, whether it's consciously or not, you're giving yourselves an out here 
for there to be some dissension between you and Jeff, uh, regardless of who would be the heel, because now Jeff just took a bullet for you. He's got to be his right. assistant, but also you're kind of dejected on the outside, and that's good character storytelling. Yeah, I mean, and I think you would be. I mean, that, that's a, a, a great, a, a great compelling thing for a babyface to be disappointed that he let his brother down, especially to put his brother in this position after he believed in you. So, I enjoy doing that, and that, that's one of the most important parts about wrestling. Well, a couple of weeks later, uh, Jeff is asked to hit Spud, but instead he hits Carter EC3 with a twist of fate, and he quits. As yeah, EC3's we, first we have to talk about that sweet suit he wore, too. Yes. With the, the suit with all the EC3 faces on yes, it. Yes, what did you think of that? Uh, it was phenomenal. Where did he get that? I, I don't know where they made that from, but they, but they had that form. Like, yes, uh, EC3 and Impact people, they, they made it. And I remember them presenting it to Jeff like, okay, cool. And also he had the, the big thing he carried around with his face, right? Yes. Yeah. It's good uh, stuff. Yeah, it was a great way to mock him, yeah, for sure. It's, good, it's just good heel, yeah. good heel work Absolutely. from EC3 mm -hmm. as well. Be that conniving, just dickwad that everybody wants to see get their comeuppance. Of course, that's going to change in a few weeks, but we'll see what happens there. So he quits, and then a week later, because it's wrestling and nothing is ever permanent, uh, Dixie Carter reinstates him and says that he will be a special guest referee in a three-way dance for the championship between EC3, you, and Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway is going through a reinvention of his own at mm -hmm. this point in time. What did you think of the work Drew was doing? I mean, great. I've always been a fan of Drew. Ever since I, I was the first person he worked with when he came to WB in you know, 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I've always been a fan of his work. And it was just one of those deals where he just like became a victim of the WWE system in many ways, where he was good, he was talented, they put these high expectations on him. And then like it wasn't he lived up to it and he, he did the work and, and he was talented. He was good and he could have, but I, I think the company failed him, you know, especially at the end of that first run, especially when they ended up putting him in positions where he like really couldn't succeed. It was very hard to with the, I, I'll never forget watching television when the, he had the little person beat him. Who was that? Do you remember? Swaggo or El Torito? It would have been El Torito. Yeah, yeah. El, El, Torito. El, El Torito. When he beat him, I was like, oh, my God. How did how did they end up with Drew McIntyre, the guy who was the chosen one, who, like, Vince endorsed, and now they have El Torito, you know, El Torito beating him. Like, what is going on here? Uh, but I was a fan of his. I was very happy to have an impact. And he was busting his ass at that time because he was really a traveling worker and just really working everywhere all the time, like, busting his ass. And I love that he was doing that then because that's kind of like – that's kind of what happens nowadays. You know, I feel like that's kind of the theme in pro wrestling in 2022. If you really want to bust your ass, Zack Ryder is a guy who's doing it. Once again, like, you know, reinventing himself over and over, and he's hot everywhere he goes to, you know, GCW, NWA, whatever, but making a name for himself. And Drew was doing that at that point, and I was very happy to be working with him again. You call him Zack Ryder. That, uh, that would be what he would refer to as his developmental name. Yes, you're right. Yeah, Zack Ryder was his developmental name. Matt Cardona, the big star, the Matt Cardona. <laughs> He's taking a lot from your page, man. I, I watch yeah. what he's doing. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, but on Drew's front, to see him get that redemption, become world champion at WrestleMania, how gratifying that is that to see one of your peers that you really enjoy seeing climb that ladder? I mean, it was great to see. And he was someone who's very deserving. Once again, not only a great talent, but like a great dude. So to see him get that opportunity and, and, and to be successful – and to realize the success he should have realized earlier is still great because he had to go out and, and really he did it himself. He put in the work, he busted his ass, he went on to his thing, and he was a self-made man. So to see someone be rewarded after that is, is, is very fulfilling. He's a great dude also, mm -hmm. and 
he and I have a little Connecticut story. I saw his one-night babyface run in WWE in 2012 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. That mm-hmm. same arena you guys had. And mm-hmm. there was something in the water in Bridgeport. Lasted one night. Then 3MB was born the next night. So that's how uh, things went down. But they're my favorite rock band. Uh, October 4th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Bound for glory. On this show, Tyrus wins a gauntlet for the gold match, which gives him a TNA world title shot should he want one. But it's you versus Galloway versus EC3 for the championship with Jeff as the special guest referee. Mm-hmm. We get to a point where EC3 has both guys down. He grabs a steel chair. He enters the ring. Jeff stops him. EC3 yells and orders Jeff to take the chair and hit Mac. Keep in mind, uh, he had the whole complex of him being his assistant. He no longer is, though. He has quit that role. Uh, he slaps Jeff. Jeff loses his cool and bashes EC3 with the chair. Uh, you catch Galloway with the finisher, and you cover him as Jeff counts one, two, three. We have a new TNA World Heavyweight Champion. Rebby makes her first appearance here and celebrates with you. This is some big-time stuff, but as the celebration is going on, EC3 is complaining to Dixie about the finish. Lots of things happening here. First of all, if you're winning your first world title uh, outside of the ECW World Heavyweight Championship, right? which there will be an episode on that later this year. But that's got to be a pretty cool feeling, Matt, to get that nod. Even if it's part of an angle, you do win the big one here, and it's your brother who's counting the one, two, three. How'd that feel? Uh, it, it was very cool. Uh, once again, very rewarding. Anytime someone uh, has enough faith in you to you know, put a championship title on you. It, it, it's a it's a great compliment, you know, and especially there, TNA was in this weird state and they were going through a very transitional point as far as business goes as well. So I, I felt very honored that they chose me to like lead the way as far as that goes, as far as being the champion and representing the company. And it was a very cool moment because not only was my brother in there as the referee and got to celebrate, but there was my wife, Rebby was in there, and also Maxwell was his first appearance on as well, and my dad was there, which was a very cool moment. And it was cool that we could have that moment in Charlotte and all together, and I, I look back at those pictures very fondly. Crowd's going nuts for you, too. It's hard yeah. boy country. Yeah, it was good. At that point, because we're seeing Rebby, we're seeing Maxwell, is there a plan for them to be involved on screen as this match is happening? So we're talking September 2015 here. At that point, no. Okay. That they were literally just in there to share the celebration. Get the big baby face moment mm-hmm. over. Especially because we're ripping that baby face moment away yeah. shortly thereafter. Yeah. So we're really trying to put Matt Hardy over as a big time right. baby face here. Okay. How did that compare to winning the ECW World Heavyweight title? Uh, to me, this was a, a, a much more fun moment. Okay. You know, just because, it, you know, obviously it was TNA, but just being in North Carolina. Uh, being able to have my family there in, in the ring with me, with my wife, my kid, my father, my brother. I mean, th- that was a very cool moment. I enjoyed winning the ECW title. I remember winning it in that scramble match. And w- once again, that, that was cool. And it's just, I'm at that point where, you know, I, I, winning championships is really cool. But at the end of the day, I really don't care. You know, I just, I, I, I want to be in a good spot and I want to make as much money and I want to entertain people and, and do my job to the best of my ability. But anytime you are honored with giving the, Given the champ, being given a championship and, and representing a company, it, it really is a something that, that that is a great a great gift that they have faith in you. Are title belts props in wrestling? Yes and no. I mean, they 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 do really mean something as far as like they need to mean something. The more value you can make a title have, 
the the better your company's going to be because it all seems more realistic based around that. But with that same thing being said, also there's a lot of guys who will get a title because they they can elevate the title uh, on their own, and there are some guys that win a title just to be elevated themselves. If that if that makes sense, uh, they they are props, but they do need to be treated importantly. I think it's a status thing too of where you stand with the company. It is. Um, some titles are arbitrary in wrestling, but others not so much. And a world title is definitely a, hey, we believe in you. It, it, it really depends on how seriously I feel like a company treats the titles sure. with the way they book them. And, and there are sometimes, like, for instance, back when myself and Jeff won the world tag team titles back in 99, like, we weren't necessarily the best tag team. The, the titles helped us. They were definitely props. They elevated our team. Uh, later on, when we won the tag titles. We were the best tag team, and like we were elevating the titles because we were more over, if that makes sense. That's kind of what I was trying to explain earlier. So they, they are and they aren't. So I think one of the most important things that you can possibly do is get a good night's sleep. And science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature-controlled sleep? Well, that restores testosterone levels, repairs muscles after a hard day's work, and improves cognitive function so you always start your day feeling sharp and alert. So I want to tell you about Chili Sleep. Now, Chili Sleep makes customizable climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. Chili Sleep makes the Uller and Cube Sleep Systems hydropowered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. You ever feel uncomfortable at night because it's too cool or too hot? That is no longer a problem. These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or you sleep cold. Now, these sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day no matter what stands in your way. Imagine waking up and not feeling tired. I know that seems like a crazy concept, but chilly sleep can very much help make that happen. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the Chili Blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. Now, if you know me and you've been following me for years, I'm always tweeting about it and putting on social. I do not sleep well. At least, I didn't sleep well until I started using Chili Sleep products. These things help you get comfortable. I'm always tossing and turning. Not anymore. So head over to ChiliSleep.com forward slash Hardy to learn more and check out a special offer available exclusively for the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast listeners and only for a limited time, that is chilisleep.com forward slash Hardy to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every single day. That's Chili, C-H-I-L-I. So EC3 files an injunction because mm -hmm. of the finish of this match. It prevents you from appearing on impact unless you relinquish the title. So you do it. Do you contribute this wrinkle into becoming an element of you starting to lose your cool a little bit as a character? Yes. And I remember, too, like <laughs> we had to shoot that that video the night after the title changed too, where I won the title. So we shot uh, we shot that video for television that night. So I remember that was very frustrating because it's like, oh, man, you know, you just win the title. Moment. Yeah, big <laughs> moment. Yeah, so it's like, what what a buzzkill just to have to do that. But, I mean, literally the company was not sure what 
the future was going to hold for them. So it was just the, the only way they could kind of make business work at that time. That's a great point, because Destination America around this time cancels TNA Impact. You guys are shopping for a new network. Mm -hmm. So in the process, they hold this TNA World Title Series for the championship. Uh, you eventually qualify, and the semifinals and finals were held on January 5th, 2016. It's a live episode on its debut of, on Pop TV. Before I get into that, though, you're taping this world title series. Is there a direction for where the company knows it's going to land on TV, or are we just putting this in the can and hoping to hell that somebody picks us up? Yeah, they, they were putting that in the can. If they had TV, they weren't sure if Destination America was going to allow them to run the rest of the year. They didn't know if they were going to be taken off TV, whatever. I know the working plan was to film this tournament so they would have enough content to get them through the year if they were able to put content on television. And if not, they would just pick up the story whenever we got a new network. Fortunately, Destination America did let us run that. So once they did run that, the story was definitely in the works that it was going to come down to me and EC3 because we'd been like the kind of like the lead main storyline in TNA for the last little while. So we're still going to go with that. Working shows as still, by the way, TNA impact, whatever it is at this time, GFW is technically the number two wrestling promotion in the country. Still at this point in time, yes. ring of honor is probably about to surpass it, but still impact is number two. You guys have no idea if you're going to even be on the air. What is the locker room sentiment like at that time? There, there was a lot of frustration with people at that point. I, I remember that and, and just actively, I, I remember telling management too, like just trying to let people, just be honest with the guys, trying to let people know what is going on. Because I had a pretty good say in, in everything that was going on from like a creative aspect to even the way the company was doing. I was sitting in on some of the booking meetings at that time too. Uh, just to try and help out and, and do as much as I could. But like, I was just, you guys have, you guys have to be as honest as you possibly can be with the talent. And I feel like they tried to be, you know, I know guys were frustrated because they weren't getting paid on time. Checks were late and just people were just so unsure of what the future held. Did you enjoy being in the creative meetings? I did. Is I that do. something you could see yourself doing down the line? Definitely. Yeah. I, I enjoy doing that. It's, it's a fun aspect. And I feel like even when you get older and you physically can't wrestle anymore, it still allows you to kind of be involved in the process and it's, you know, you, you still get something out of it. It's like you are involved to a degree. It's that Michael Hayes path, man. Yeah. Like wrestling daddy. For sure. Wrestling daddy, wrestling son. So you defeat Eric Young in the semifinals, then in the finals of that tournament, you face EC3. Jeff has total faith in you and says, I'm going to leave you be. You've got this. Mm -hmm. Tyrus does the same for EC3. It's just you two. The problem is you don't have it. He beats you with a super one percenter. Mm -hmm. It's a clean win. It's the first time EC3's gotten a clean win on you. So getting in the head of your character, I'm trying to do a character study here for a second. Yes. Failing in the big moment after not being able to get the job done on your own, in theory, that's got to be a pretty mentally taxing thing for Matt Hardy. Is that how you're laying it out creatively? Yes, and we knew 100% where we were going at this point. Now, when you say that, you knew where you're going. What does that mean? That means you're going to Broken or you're just turning heel and we're going to see Big Money Matt? That, that means that I'm turning heel and you're going to see Big okay. Money Matt. So I, I feel like it was almost like a underlying theme. Like I wanted people to even look at EC3 like, 
I know he's the bad guy, and we're gonna we're gonna boo him. We don't like him, but but he just beat this legend, and he beat him clean. He's a good wrestler. He can he's, get the job. He's done. a great wrestler. He can mm-hmm. get the job done. And even though we don't like him, he still is good. But that's like we wanted to reinforce that that mentality. Just that whenever he did turn babyface in our double turn, that they could see that it was almost like a subliminal storytelling. It's a credibility thing. Yeah, he has credibility because he pinned a guy that beat him to become the world champion. Even though you hadn't pinned him directly, you pinned Galloway, but. You won the world title from him. Yes. And now he just pinned you clean. Mm-hmm. So I like that. It's establishing. It's giving and, credibility. And, and two, we were working really hard to make him like the face of TNA at this point. Uh, you know, we knew we were going to turn him into a good guy, a baby face. And, and my whole goal was to like make him the centerpiece of TNA because he was like a, a TNA creation, a TNA original in so many ways. Just because obviously he'd been in WWE before, but like he is a guy that is young and they could kind of build the company around him if they find a successful TV slot. Everything's about to change, Matt. Yes. Here we go. The next week, Ken Anderson has you on his talk show. You like working with Ken Anderson? I do. I I, uh, I built a relationship with Ken when he was coming to TVs in, at WWE back in the day. And I would always be nice to him because he was always, always cool, always worked real hard, and I thought he was a talented guy. And I remember when I was doing TVs as an extra, it was cool if the contracted guys were nice to me. So I was always cool and counted with him. And then once he even got there, we actually rode together for a while and we became pretty good friends. Was he someone who could have been more in WWE? I think so, yeah. There there were a lot of things even with Ken, I know, like just the the mental challenges and, and some of the mind fucks of WWE, I think, got to Ken, you know, definitely along the way. So it's it's tricky, you know. He had some wrong place, wrong time moments in he, WWE too. He, he, he did. The injury, edge mm-hmm. stuff, Orton stuff. It was I mean, they, 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 they were ready to pull the trigger on him all yeah. the way, I, I know. And um, it, it sucks that he didn't get the great opportunities he, he really deserved, I feel like. And it just is what it is. There, there was a lot of wrong time, wrong place with him. Okay. Let's get into this segment here. He's got you on your talk show. It's you, Rebby, and Maxel. Yes. So Rebby and Maxel are on TV here. When's that decision made? We made this decision... This is January of 2016, keep in mind. Yeah, I want to say probably November of 2015 is when we made the decision to do a double turn and turn me heel, and that was going to include... I was going to let Rebby be like the determining factor in it, who who got into my ear and and turned me heel. So I would say probably November 2015 is when this was determined. Why is Rebby the one that is the catalyst uh, it, it just worked. Uh, and it's funny because there were a couple times they were interested in doing something with Rebby in, in the past and it hadn't worked out. And she, she's just, she is quite a character. I mean, people who know her in real life know she is quite a character and she has a very abrasive, uh, she is very truculent, you know, so she is someone who she, she was the perfect person to play this role because it was real life too. her being my wife and, you know, being the mother of my child, it, it was perfect for her to be the influencer. You better watch your words, because that is my favorite Hardy, Rebby. My favorite Hardy, my it's, personal favorite Hardy. It's my favorite Hardy too. Okay, so. good. We, we share sure. that. We got that. We share <laughs> that. Making sure. Um, I talked to her about this, and I said, you know, how hesitant were you to come on TV for this angle? Mm-hmm. And she said that she was actually really excited about it because TNA was going to bring her in after the one night only knockout stuff that they did, but then the knockout got knocked up. Yeah. And King Maxwell was born, and there was a change there. So uh, do you remember anything about her excitement coming in at that time? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, she was. How long had she been wrestling at that point? She had been messing around with wrestling. Like she had hosted Busted Open Radio. Mm -hmm. She was one of the original hosts on that when they were doing the whole wrestling thing. She was uh, tight friends with Dave LaGreca. And then she had done other stuff, Lucha Libre USA, uh, a couple of things here and there. And she was almost like an interviewer, uh, a backstage personality, whatever it may be. But then, like, once she got with me, she trained more to wrestle. And she had done some wrestling. And we would kind of – we would do that. Typically, if I'd go to a show, there were times we'd do mixed tags, and she would wrestle once in a while. She's not a huge wrestling fan. She enjoys the entertainment aspect, I think. She, she does enjoy being an entertainer. But uh, this was the perfect role for her, too, where she's not wrestling, and she gets to display her personality, which is – is just so raw and uncut and just so good. It's always best in wrestling when your character is so grounded in reality mm-hmm. and there's so much of yourself. Right. I know Rebby has a really big background with entertainment. Uh, she's a, if I'm not mistaken, professional dancer at one point. She can play the piano. Mm-hmm. Extremely, extremely talented as far as the entertainment world is concerned. So for her to be able to flex that creative muscle and get in the ring with you in this managerial role per se, how fulfilling was that for her as a witness? She, she really enjoyed it. Um, and, and it was cool because we got to travel together, we experienced this with our son. So it was also like a, a great bonding experience for us as well. Uh, she enjoyed it, she was really good at it. And it was one of those things I almost wish we could have done it longer because it was, it was a lot of fun. And we still obviously incorporate her in all the broken stuff that will happen later down the road. But her in this role as Rebby Hardy with Big Money Match, she was just so great at it. All right, listen, we're all adults here. And I know some of us choose to use nicotine to relax, focus, or maybe even just unwind after a long day. Well, I'm here to tell you that Lucy is a modern oral nicotine company that makes nicotine gum, lozenges, and pouches for adults who are looking for the best, most responsible way to consume their nicotine. It's a new year, 2020, right? Finally here. Why not start it out by switching to a new nicotine product they can feel good about? I've had many family members over the years who had struggles switching from cigarettes, and I wish they had a product like this that would have made the process so much easier with so much versatility and dynamics in terms of different flavors and options. So if you enjoy using nicotine, you should definitely check out Lucy's products at lucy.co. That's lucy.co and use promo code HARDY at checkout. Also, I have to read this disclaimer, warning, This product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Remember, if you're interested in a better way to use nicotine, visit lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code, Hardy. Were you hesitant to bring her into an on-camera role? Not at all. Even though this history of bringing your wife around the boys throughout the course of the 80s and 90s and 2000s, often didn't end well for people there was no hesitance for you not at all especially her i mean she's just she's she's very set in her ways that's one thing about her like she she's like a ride or die with me and i i she is completely faithful in every capacity so that i love her for that so he brings you into the ring for this segment they're on a couch he puts you on a folding chair because he spares no expense that ken anderson and that seems just like another little small detail when it comes to building character Here's Matt Hardy, and he's just kind of being cast to the side a little bit here. I like the small little detail stuff. Um, so he's kind of getting in your head a little bit, saying you couldn't get the job done against EC3. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
you say that you don't make any excuses, you hold yourself accountable for everything that you do, and he asks if Ken is trying to get you to apologize for letting the fans down or something. And you say that you only fail when you quit trying, but you'll never quit until you're the world champion. Then Jeff came out to uh, lay it down earlier and asked if, uh, Ken asked if Jeff was just doing the dirty work for you to try to set things up. And you say that if Anderson wants to get to him to share your heart, well, then the only thing that you love is your wife and your son more than anything. And tonight you're going to make EC3 an offer that he cannot refuse. And you just need one more match to fulfill your destiny because you know that you have his number. Underneath all of this stuff, and I didn't exactly eloquently recap that, but underneath all this is something conniving. It feels like. Yeah. I mean, it, it was one of those things where it seems like it could also be very motivating, but there is like an underlying tone of something conniving or, or something something is in the works. There's some sort of plan going on here. It does feel like that to me, and, and we wanted to have that feel. How transformative is this segment in everything that we're about to see over the course of the next year, year and a half? Because truthfully... You could say, oh, the double turn is the segment where things start, or you could say the segment with Willow, you as Willow is where everything starts. But in my opinion, this segment is the very, very, very early seed of you becoming Broken Matt Hardy eventually. Yeah, I mean, this this is the catalyst for everything. This, This is a catalyst that I am specifically going in a different direction in my career and and we didn't know where it was going to land at the very end of it but obviously we do know now but this was definitely the catalyst for this double turn and and a character change which would ultimately end up on in which would ultimately end up becoming broken obviously so no plans at this point to become broken you're just going to do the big money matt character correct okay and you're drawing from the big money matt character because of your ring of honor days and everything with the briscoes that we've hit on in previous episodes yeah i mean it was basically once again just uh picking that up kind of almost where that left off uh the the iconic matt hardy big money matt um and and it was going to be like a more i feel like concentrated version of big money matt because we i I, i'd kind of created it throughout ring of honor and i think at this point i'd kind of mastered it i knew exactly what i wanted to do with it Let's go to January 19th mm-hmm. on Impact. Jeff brings you in the ring. He says he's got a bad feeling about this last man standing match that you're going to have with EC3 for the championship. I love that even. Just Jeff saying he's got right. a bad feeling. It's giving us a little bit of foreshadowing here. Uh, Matt says that he understands why Jeff feels that way, but he feels like he let Jeff and the fans down as well as his wife and son and that your career is at a crossroads. And Jeff says, well, if you really believe that you can beat EC3, I believe in you, brother. You can get it done. The creatures believe it. Matt Hardy will not die, and he will win the championship. We are going hard here with this babyface stuff with Jeff. And I just love the layering of the storytelling. How much of this came from your head? Uh, I, I feel like the majority of it did. Uh, I feel like they were on the same page with me, too, like like Big. And I, I worked with Dave Lagana a lot of that time as well. And I know he would always have good points. Uh, but, yeah, we, we were, it was like all hands on deck. I, I feel like it was a very uh, very much a team effort between myself and, and, and Big and Dave Lagana at that point. Did you know that you were going to be directly feuding with Jeff at this point? We did know that there was going to be interactions between us for sure. Because if I'm not mistaken, we do something where he, I, I, I set him up to leave the arena 
during the during the double turn during the last man standing match and and we knew he was going to feel betrayed by that obviously so we knew we were going to have some sort of interactions we weren't sure to what extent yet but i think the the original plan was once again to kind of reset the whole matt hardy and ec3 and get more mileage out of that you mentioned earlier in this episode that you were a little hesitant about feuding with jeff now have you embraced that idea a little more here yeah, I, I, I think at this point still, we didn't see like a full-fledged feud and like a, a ton or series of matches. We were going to definitely see, we're going to see some conflict between the brothers, obviously. And and there were there was actually a thought in my mind too about maybe even having uh, ultimately a Jeff Hill turn, you know, out of all this. But, you know, obviously that isn't what the crowd was feeling and we didn't go that direction. Were you ready to embrace being a heel again? Yes, I, I was at that time. And I know like EC3, he was the younger guy. He was kind of like the, the, the franchise player of TNA. And, and I felt like this is the right time. This is the right time to pull the trigger. Let me be a heel. And I, I am a guy who can legitimately in real life brag to EC3 about all the money I've made or all the success I've had and, you know, my life and my lifestyle, the way I live. And, and it could work. I'm one of the few guys there that could legitimately overpower his gimmick when it came to that as far as real life. Let's go to this last man standing match. It's a long match. You guys are going back and forth. EC3 goes for a TKO. You slip out, hit the twist of fate. Mm -hmm. Here we go. The referee starts to count, and we see a concerned Rebbe sitting in the crowd. So we're getting her involved in the story here. Hardy kicks EC3 low. You went for the testicles this time, Matt. Crowd didn't seem to like that one. He yells at the referee to count faster, but EC3 is up and on the apron. Matt actually starts shoving the referee around before going to the apron and hitting a twist of fate through the tables. Both men are down on the floor and both beat the count. Matt dumps EC3 back into the ring. We get a couple of chairs out from under the ring, puts one around EC3's neck to hit a twist of fate that pretty much bulldogged EC3 into the chair. The referee is counting as blood is coming out of his mouth and Matt yells at the referee to count faster, but EC3 somehow beats the count. Let's take a pause here. Mm -hmm. Uh... I, I love the fact that at the beginning of this match, they were cheering me and booing him. And by this point in the match, they're booing me and, and booing for him. So that, that is a win-win. A we're going to get into the art of the double turn after I finish reading this. But I got to ask about that bulldogging him on the chair and him getting busted open. Was that legitimate? Did he legitimately get busted, busted open there? Yes. That was legitimate blood. How does something like that aid the storytelling in an instance like this i mean blood blood uh, blood always does as crazy as that sounds uh i mean blood is just something that just adds legitimacy and like credibility to the to the fight obviously you know we are orchestrating things we're trying to tell a story and entertain people but sometimes when when blood happens it just reminds people like these guys are still amazing athletes and and this is real what they're doing to to a quite a quite a certain degree and whenever you see blood it just like reinforces that so ec3 beats that count matt looks unhappy with that so he goes to his wife who hands him a hammer she had concealed in her diaper bag that's Hardy. my favorite part of the whole match the whole <laughs> diaper bag the hammer in the diaper bag whose idea was that uh, that, that was, that was ours. I, it may have even been Rebby's too. That was definitely mine and hers though. Okay. We, because her diaper bag was going everywhere with her. And, and I know that was something that like everything would be in the diaper bag. Cause she took that everywhere with Max. So I was like, you know what, whatever weapon or tool we use should be in the diaper bag. And she said, yeah, she got the hammer and stuck it in the diaper bag. I like that. 
So you bring it into the ring, you take a swing at him, he ducks, and he low blows you. Then hits the 1%. Here we go, Matt. Ready? Tyrus comes down to ringside as Rebby looks on concerned. He comes in the ring, looks at you, turns to EC3. Great visual here. EC3 looks up at his bodyguard. Tyrus scoops him up, hits a body bag, and tells the referee to count. He goes over to you and pats you on the back, and EC3 once again just beats the count. Mm -hmm. Who came up with the wrinkle to add here with Tyrus being bought out by you? And I, again, if we're getting EC3 over as a big-time babyface, no better way to do it than have his big monster turn on him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not certain. I, I know I loved that idea. I'm, that, that may have been a, a big idea or maybe even e EC3 idea. And I, I was definitely down for it. I was in total agreement. One thing I did love, as you said, the little wrinkle where EC3 looks up and they get that great visual. I, I remember EC3, that was his idea. He's like, I, th I feel like I should know this is going to happen now, especially when we're pulling out all the stops and I've got my wife with hammers and diaper bags and whatnot. He's been beat to shit. Yeah, he's point. been beat to shit. Like whenever he comes down and, and we just... I remember we determined that, like, look at me, stop, go over EC3. And because he didn't immediately come to me, he didn't, you know, attack me or didn't do anything to me. EC3's like, I, I, I would know. And then just to get that moment, like, really solidified, like, oh, we're trying to fuck this guy. And what and I he's like gonna about be the that baby face. is that it's using TV to your advantage where the cameras can show that facial. Mm -hmm. That maybe someone in the live crowd doesn't necessarily pick up on. But that's like soap opera storytelling. Right. So you get that going on with EC3 being turned on by Tyrus. Uh, he beats the count, though, and after he beats the count, uh, he looks at you and Tyrus, tells him to come on in, then ducks past Tyrus. He spears you and starts pounding on Tyrus. Rebby slips Matt the title belt, and he uses it to clean EC3's clock. Matt holds the belt high, stands over EC3 as the referee counts. The champion is motionless as he gets to 10 and calls for the belt. This is like out of a movie, man. This is Thanos stuff right here. Yeah, and I, I, the the title we ended up using that for the finish. We went through a couple things. It was supposed to be like the representation of like, I sold my soul for this title. So that's why we wanted to specifically use that as like the kill shot at the very end, you know. And like he overcame, you know, the hammer. The I was going to attack him with the hammer out of the diaper bag. He overcame the twist of fate through the tables. He overcame Tyrus, everything. But it was the title, and that is why I decided to sell my soul, and I, I decided to decided to turn heel, and I became a villain for that title. So that's what we used for the kill shot that night. How did EC3 do in this match as a babyface, in your opinion? I, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was like a a very Stone Cold esque type performance from him, and especially towards the end in that final stretch. I really feel like this is one of the best double turns ever. And I feel like it is one of the most underrated double turns of all time, without a doubt. Is that just because no one was watching? And I don't mean that in like a negative way. But yeah, like probably. Reality. I mean, there, there were so few eyes on the product at that point. Yeah, I, I would I would imagine so. Like if it had been a hot product and this match would have happened, it would have been like talked about way more. I feel like when people go back and watch this match, like, whoa, that was really good. You know, this match is really underrated, for, especially for a double turn. The fact of the matter is, like, if you have a double turn where in the beginning, the one guy who turns heel is being cheered as the the beloved babyface and the other guy's being booed and you totally swap the roles, you switch them out. That, that, that's the job done. It doesn't get any better than that. How much of a chip on your shoulder did you have knowing that you were about to become a champion of a company that a lot of people aren't watching and now you're bearing the responsibility of carrying mm -hmm. the flag for the brand? I was excited. I was uh, excited the opportunity presented itself. So I definitely just wanted to do everything that I could to like stir up as much controversy, try and piss people off, and 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 
build a program with EC3 where people want to see EC3 who are trying to make the franchise of TNA want to whip my ass. So what I like about this is because it's TV, we go to a commercial after you win and there's actually more time left for you to solidify mm -hmm. this heel turn here. Uh, we're back from commercial. You got a mic, you're the champion and uh, you're starting to talk, but you're feeling the crowd. The crowd's starting to turn on you here. They're saying that you suck. Yes. You're being a good heel. You're taking it in. Let that get over as a visual. You say that you beat the unbeatable in beating EC3. It's the first time that EC3 has been pinned clean. Well, mm -hmm. not clean, but or defeated clean. Yes. Uh, under the rules of this match, you beat him clean. Mm -hmm. uh, when you came back to Impact Wrestling, it was with the best intentions to give back and help out. But now you won't listen to anyone because they're all gnats. They're ants. They're insignificant. You are a self-made multimillionaire. You got a beautiful house, a beautiful wife, perfect family. And two weeks ago, it was your wife who told you that it's your time to stop giving and start taking and that you realize she was right because she is the only voice of reason in your life and the only thing that matters as long as you are TNA champion. Let's talk about that. This is some just classic movie storytelling here, right. in my opinion. Um, did you draw from anything in particular, whether it's another form of wrestling or media in having this evil wife run your now evil life? No, I, I didn't really. That, I didn't draw that from anywhere. I, I just thought it fit, and I thought she would be the the perfect personality to go along with Big Money Matt at that point. Uh, she could really play it up, and and I feel like just her personality is so confrontational anyway. She's much better in a heel role. So I, I thought if we came on, we introduced her as Bayface. She's like the supportive wife, but then she ends up being the catalyst that like, you know, turned me evil. You know, like you know, fuck the world, just me and you. Fuck everybody else. Kill them. Uh, I, I thought that that, that was a great scenario. So th there was nothing necessarily that inspired it. I was really kind of like running on my own. And it, and it was fun whenever we did it initially. I remember going on Twitter and putting together like an epic Twitter thread about like these are the Ten Commandments of Matt Hardy, whatever it may be. Just total bullshit stuff. Uh, but, but so much fun. And I really embraced that, that heel run. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there that – don't understand heels. I know they'll get frustrated with heels, even like the big money Matt thing I'm doing now currently. But like the, the whole point is you're not supposed to like the person. I mean, hopefully you're entertained by their matches, but at the end of the day, they're supposed to seem unlikable. They're supposed to get underneath your skin. And that's just what I was striving to do there. I just, I want to do as much as I could to make everyone want to see EC3 whip my ass. Buddy, wait till we get to these next couple episodes where we start getting into you as a heel and your character and what people thought about it versus when you become broken. Oh, yeah. And it's insane. Yeah. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. New Year's resolutions are just hard to keep up with, but saving money is easy at SaveWithConrad.com. Wouldn't 2022 be easier with lower monthly payments? Get the best rate you've ever had, pay off your credit card debt, and even get the cash you need right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to get started, and you can even skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance yet. We never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, 
And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. So you get good heat here Mm -hmm. and you roll EC3 over who's still unconscious on top of a chair. You remind him again that you won. You smash him again and you start making out with your wife standing over his body. It's good to be Matt Hardy. Rebby crouches down on top of him, spits on his head. And the new champ and your new entourage leave the ring, and the former champion is bloodied, beaten, and unconscious. This is a hell of a visual, man. She hated spitting on him so bad. Really? She was so disgusted by that. She hates spitting in general. Okay. And, and that was just, uh, I, I remember I somehow convinced her to do that. And I want to say maybe there was, I want to say Big wanted her to do something. And he may have even suggested spitting on him and i agree I said, yes spit on him that is there she's ah oh, do i really have to do it and still she'll look at that thing she spit i, I want to say she she spit on jeff as well at one point but she absolutely hated that i know whenever she's she spat on ec3 she hated doing that she was disgusted to have to do that the hardy family fluid which not, is not which is which is so so funny when i'm seeing this visual view standing over ec3 is this big bad heel who just had this big moment mm-hmm. i feel like that visual is what every pro wrestler dreams of if they're going to yeah, be a heel. Right. Having that moment holding the world title, the bonuses you got your wife that you're making out with over his body. How fulfilling of a moment was that for you in your career? Uh, it was an incredible moment. And, and it really is. It is. I, I hate that the match is as underrated as it is because it's one of my favorite matches of all time. And I, I take a lot of pride. I know uh, EC3 does as well. We both take a lot of pride in, in that match and making it work the way that the way that we did. Especially that it was kind of like a, a culmination of an angle we'd been doing for a very, very long time. And, and we had new legs now that we had switched roles as far as who was the heel and who was the babyface. What's the reception backstage after this? Uh, amazing. I mean, they, they, they thought – people thought we killed it. They were super happy with it. And it actually – it did a great number on uh, Pop TV too. It was – I want to say that the two highest-rated – pop tv episodes were the final deletion and this episode especially with the replay which was seen even more than the the final deletion was live let's talk about the difficulties in actually executing a double turn Mm -hmm. it's not easy because you've got two characters that you're completely switching up on the fly in that moment you got a set amount of time that you can actually get this done so what kind of investment in a new character does it actually take to successfully pull it off yeah, there there has to be some, as you said earlier, the thing we did with uh, with Ken Kennedy that promo. There, there has to be some work done ahead of it. You know, I feel like there has to be like an underlying 
story of these characters, especially from a motivational aspect, like why are they doing what they're doing? So I feel like we'd kind of laid that groundwork. And then once we got into the match, you know, you kind of have to trick people during the match. Like, oh, my God, this is going to be a regular match. It's, it's kind of like, you know, we want to see our guy, Matt Hardy, finally overcome and beat the CC3. But then halfway through, they go, hold up. We like this guy, but he's a dick. You know, and, and, and everything, if you look back, makes sense. Why did I go to that thing? I was very desperate as, as a character to do whatever to defeat him and win this world title. I became obsessed with it. And I feel like our motivation in, in doing that was just, uh, you know, first and foremost was to, to build TNA around EC3 and make him like the franchise player. But, like, our motivation in the double turn was, once again, Matt is ruthless and he's willing to sell his soul and he's just desperate to defeat EC3. And even though... EC3 was a hill who had been booked as a good champion. I mean, he looked so tough, so rugged. It was a very Stone Cold-esque type performance in this match for him, especially the second second half, the end stretch. So you're talking about his performance. How good was EC3 in this match? He was he was excellent in this match. I think it's the best performance of his career, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was excellent in this match, especially where he had to go from being like a cocky demeanor in the beginning of the match to being like almost a, a tough, sympathetic, character in the end and he did it he did it perfectly were you nervous that this wasn't going to be executed properly I, I really felt great about our game plan going into it i didn't know how the people were gonna gonna react but they, they were really good there was that point where i did the low blow and that was like a theme obviously in our matches that he did to me and whenever they they started coming they started booing me i knew we had them and that's like the most rewarding feeling ever when when you know you want to tell the story and this is how you in your mind expect the crowd to act and they actually act that way and you there's nothing more rewarding than that. And now you're big money, Matt. You yes. are top of the game. How excited are you at this point to go on your run as big money Matt in TNA? Very excited. And uh, w once again, I whenever I'm a hill, especially now, I embrace being a hill. You know, I, I relinquish my fear of being an asshole. And that's that's what you have to do to, to really be a, be a heel. And I feel like in the business now, it's harder for people to be heels because people want to be loved on social media and they get... You know, they're, they're, they're worried if people don't like them across the board in every aspect, but you really have to let that go. You really have to relinquish, you know, your fear of being viewed as an asshole. So as we come to the end of this episode, people will have just listened to this and they might be saying to themselves, well, why did they just waste all this time talking about something where we didn't even discuss the broken character at all? Why was it essential for us to lay the foundation here, Matt? Uh, because th this all leads. It's like one fluent story that has total continuity all the way through it and like the whole big money matt uh transformation and becoming big money matt and winning that title ends up being a huge part of why broken matt hardy happens not to mention the layers with jeff yes i mean that that, that jeff is is obviously an integral part of this like me becoming big money matt uh and and kind of betraying my brother as well when we'd had like this very close brotherly bond and you know once again it all starts almost like when he broke his leg that's when we decided to go in in a different direction me as a singles guy which ultimately ended up me becoming big money matt in a hill and because i'd betrayed jeff we knew there was going to be a conflict between us we didn't know how deep or how far we were going to go into that but it turns out we're going to go into a full-fledged and it's going to be broken matt hardy in a brother nero scenario so i just want to reiterate one last time at this point you are big money matt world heavyweight champion just did a double turn there are no plans as of yet for a broken character in January of 2016. There is not, no. Not right. even a thought in your head. As of right now, we are going to run with Big Money Matt for the immediate future.
and you have put no thought at all into this broken character or what that could look like or anything of that nature? Not at all. It does not as, exist as of yet. It's, and within four months, everything's mm-hmm. about to change. Things yes. are about to get broken. Yes. <laughs> what are we going to be talking about next week here, Matt? This next week, we're going to be talking about the birth of Broken Matt Hardy and also the, uh, the beginning stages of Brother Nero as well. The conflict between Broken Matt and Jeff Hardy and some of the most unorthodox wrestling segments and, and, uh, and storytelling that has ever been done. Watching it live leading up to it. I've said this to you. I've said it in interviews. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I had no idea. At times, I was like, why do I have to sit here and watch the Hardy Boys wrestle again? I don't want to see that. Watching it back in hindsight, it is incredible. It is (laughs) so cool to see the layering that went into it. So, next week on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, we'll be getting into that. And Matt, if people want to check out The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, they can make like... Dave of the Sheet of Dirts. <laughs> and how many stars can they give us, Matt? Uh, we will take the five stars. Five-star review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you may get that. Because Matt and I are looking at those. We're going to pick a winner. We're going to send some good stuff to make That's sure right. you get that in right now. We talked a lot about Rebby in this episode. I'd be remiss if we did not put over the House Hardy Twitch stream. I would love to see you guys talk about some of this broken stuff in hindsight because I think it would be fun to hear what she's got to say. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, her her perspective is very very interesting. Uh, very interesting as well. Like I'm I'm very excited to start. <clears throat> I'm very excited when we start next week, the beginning of the broken character, because some of the reactions I got from people when I started acting this way are just utterly amazing. Well, for the record, I was texting her about this. I said, "Are there any thoughts that you have?" She goes, anything I say is probably going to contradict whatever he's going to say because he's going to take credit for anything. For everything. So she <laughs> well, I will not do that. I will give her credit where credit's <laughs> due, and there's a lot of credit coming her way. She was joking, for the record. House <laughs> Hardy on Twitch. Go check that out. Uh, Mattitude Monday is always a lot of fun. Just another Mattitude Monday. Can you- Just another Mattitude Monday. Oh. <laughs> That's my fun day. Yeah. It's always my fun day when I get to record with you in person, and we're going to be doing a lot of that this week as we barrel through Becoming Broken into next week here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Hashtag Ask Matt. I'm saving all your Ask Matt questions for the end of the series, so that way we can reflect on them Perfect. in hindsight. And we're going to have some more content here for you guys on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Anything else you'd like to add this week? Uh, w- one thing I, w- I would say, if you have listened to this podcast, uh, I would say go out and watch this Matt Hardy EC3 uh, uh, last man standing match because it really is an underrated match. And if you've never seen it before, you should watch it. And I think you'll heavily enjoy it. I agree with that. I watched it back for the first time in a really long time. And I'm with you, man. I, I thought if it had more eyes on it, mm-hmm. we'd talk more fondly about it in, in a much higher light. But unfortunately, just no one's watching pop TV at the time. And that's just the reality of it. And mm-hmm. in general, that added to the difficulties that you had in getting these characters over. And it makes it only more remarkable of how popular all of this became. Yeah, for sure. That does it for us here on The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. We'll see you guys next week. The words have been spoken and things are really about to be broken. See you next time. Deletion!